Thank you for joining us. We're coming to you live from the global headquarters of the world's best capitalized bank headquartered in the world's best capitalized country. Well, you know, it was a few months ago and it's when it seemed like achieving an economic soft landing seemed challenging. Uh, inflation was above target. The labor market was very tight and the financial system was straining under the pressure of higher interest rates. But today, a soft landing isn't assured, but the economy is much closer to being what we call back in balance. And in our view, this creates a opportune moment where investors can seek out returns almost across asset classes. So today we are very pleased to bring you a cavalcade of stars here in uh, Wealth Management CIO. And we're gonna talk about the economy and of course, where to invest and a special welcome to uh, those of us, those of you who are watching from uh, LinkedIn for the public portion of this live stream. And then in the second half, we are gonna go to a private session for our clients where we get into the more specific investment recommendations. So I, I wanna start with Dean, our uh, economist and uh, European guru. Dean, the uh, recent economic data is indicating a resilient economy, maybe more than some people expected. What's happening and is the resilience going to continue? Thanks, Mark. Yes, certainly the global economy has been much more resilient than anyone would have expected, uh, given the sharp increase in interest rates we've had this year. But when we look at the spending patterns, it's clear that that resilience hasn't been seen everywhere. Um, so, for example, if we look at production as well as consumption uh, in, 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 area, in the goods-based goods -based demand, that's clearly been a bit weaker. And where we've actually seen the surprise strength has been in services. And in particular, it's been in uh, leisure services and other related activities. Uh, in particular as well, it's worth noting that you know, when you're looking at middle income spending in, those, in that area of the economy, if anything, that's actually proving a little bit more resilient in this current cycle than what, than what it would have done in pre-pandemic times. So, you know, it's a bit difficult to understand what's going on there, but, you know, clearly a number of structural factors uh, uh, perhaps have influenced that, perhaps some, some structural changes in the labor force since the pandemic um, have influenced that. But, you know, that resilience, uh, I think, is interesting. Now, while I'm on the labour market, you know, we can't we can't have this section without talking about a labour market because this is one of the key areas that explains some of that resilience. Now, unquestionably, we've seen some moderation uh, in labour markets, but moderation is the key word here. And that moderation has been in response to tighter monetary policy. So other things being equal, it's a good thing because it shows that monetary policy works. But that moderation hasn't been to the extent that it's starting to go into a much sharper downturn that could perhaps signal that the economy was in for much, uh, a much tougher time. So with, with that in mind, you know, labor markets holding up relatively OK. Um, as you've mentioned, things are looking a little bit back, back more, uh, more back in balance. Uh, for example, if we take a look at the U.S. economy, looking at the payrolls data, that's running at somewhere between one and 200,000 a month. That's broadly in line with the labor market growth. And uh, that kind of balance, we think uh, it gives us greater confidence uh, that, uh, that this recovery can be sustained. Now, in terms of you know, how long this can last, well, I think another key factor that we've got to consider here is that interaction between the labor market and the inflation backdrop. 
Um, the fact that the labour market is still somewhat resilient, uh, incomes are still growing, that's still happening against the backdrop of where inflation is coming down. So real incomes, you know, inflation minus, uh, sorry, in- income growth minus inflation has actually been improving for a couple of months. And it would be our expectation that that can continue as we go into next year. So, you know, look, as, as you've already said, uh, soft landing, it's been our base case of some time and we can't assure be assured that that's the outcome. But I think looking at uh, the trends that we have in the data so far, I think we'd have a little bit more confidence that, uh, that, that that's the most likely outcome from here. Okay. Thank you, Dean. And now, uh, you know, another question, because I think the, uh, you know, the, the labor market being this strong, how is that playing out on the inflation front? You know, we heard from the ECB, we're hearing from the Fed. Walk us through kind of the solution set and options for the central banks from here. Absolutely. Look, the, the, the inflation backdrop, as I've already mentioned, things do seem to be getting a little bit better. Inflation seems to be heading in the right direction. Moreover, I think we should take some comfort that a lot of the lead indicators for inflation are, are confirming that that trend should continue for some time. So, for example, if we look at uh, goods prices inflation, actually the latest release that we had for July in the US actually showed that, that goods prices are actually in deflation. Um, we're starting to also see in the inflation numbers that the, that the uh, moderation in, in, in rental growth is starting to come through in the official headline rates as well. And when you add to that this labor market component that you know we've already touched on, yes, the labor market is still somewhat resilient, but being much closer to or back in balance, that would suggest that wage pressures should start to moderate from here. And ultimately, it's wage growth that central bankers are focused on, uh, have a laser-like focus on, I should say. Um, that's going to be the key determinant of where inflation settles in this cycle. Um, now, as I said, you know, back in balance, that would suggest to us that wage growth moderates. And therefore, I, can, I think we can have a fair degree of confidence that by the time we reach the end of of the summer next year, that inflation should be back or close to central bank targets. Now, look, there are risks along the way. Let's, let's not forget what's happening to the oil price, and that will cause some bumps along the way and certainly cause some headaches for central bankers. But that broader trend seems, it seems set in place. So, you know, what are central bankers going to do here? Well, the ECB hiked last week. Um, it came as a surprise to some. It, it was it was in our uh, it was in our expectations that they would hike. Um, we've clearly got uh, a number of central bankers meeting this week. Uh, six central bank meetings, in fact. Uh, the key one will be the Fed. Uh, we don't think the Fed will uh, increase rates at its meeting tomorrow. But one of the things I think they will keep on the table is perhaps the option to do more. Something the ECB attempted to do but didn't quite succeed. Now, look. What does that mean? It essentially means that we're at the top or pretty much close to the top of this rate hiking cycle. What comes next? Well, the focus will start to turn to policy easing. I don't think there's any debate that uh, monetary policy at the moment is currently tight. We can see that um, in a number of data points. Demand for lending uh, has, has been pretty weak, and that's a key indicator to follow. And that, therefore, if inflation is heading back to target, 
interest rates are not going to stay at these levels for some time. Now, or, or, or forever, I should say. Now, that said, I do think we have to accept that interest rates at the current levels are probably going to be with us for some months. But as we get into next year, I think we can get greater confidence that central banks will be able to start to give back some of that, some of those heights that, uh, that we've been through uh, this year. All right. Thanks, Dean. And uh, we're going to keep going with another variation on this theme with uh, Leslie over in the United States. Uh, you know, Leslie, Dean talked about reasons that we might see uh, the hike in rates being over. In fact, uh, rates fall, interest rates falling from here kind of across the curve. Uh, does that mean we're headed back towards recession or how are we going to navigate this, do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's necessarily going to be going to head back towards recession, but there's um, a few points that, that Dean had made that I think are important as at this point in the cycle. I mean, one of them is which we've had, we've seen growth stay very resilient and inflation coming down. But at the end of the day, we are at the end of the cycle. And one of the things that we're seeing, particularly when it comes to things like labor, and, and Dean pointed this out, is that, you know, jobs, job openings are becoming less, the quit rate is falling, and we're seeing a little bit more of balance come into play in terms of supply demand. I mean, the participation rate for labor in the U.S. was great. That was because more people were looking for work. So although we have, we still can tend with what we would label as a tight labor market, it's starting to loosen up a bit. And the more sort of that you have that balance come into play in terms of that um, supply demand within the labor market, the less restrictive the Fed will be. The second thing is, and if you go to the, go to the next slide, you know, we've all been, at least, you know, most have been fairly surprised about how resilient the consumer has been with the rise in interest rates. I mean, there's still remained a lot of consumer demand, which has obviously pushed growth up, you know, much higher than most anticipated for the year. We know that there's a lag in, in you know, the Fed, in Fed rising rates, how it impacts the consumer. They have um, much more, more lower mortgage rates than what the uh, market rate would convey. We know they have excess savings. There was fiscal stimulus. But at this point, although the consumer itself's balance sheet remains strong, you are seeing this this slight weakness in right now. And, and simply, and when I say that, even though it's from a low base in terms of you know credit cards, their borrowing rate, their debt service coverage ratio, at this stage of the cycle. As you start to sort of burn through that excess savings, savings while you still have interest rates, you know, relatively high, it does come a bit of a headwind. Again, the consumer balance sheet remains strong, but they are feeling a bit of resilience in here. And the third thing, if we go to the next slide, as we, as you know, as if history repeats itself, which it most likely will, is that when the Fed pauses. The, the uh, fixed income market being forward looking has a tendency to price in eases fairly quickly. So yields come down after that Fed pause. It comes in, nominal yields will come down, real yields will come down. Now, some of the variance or the differentiation that we may see this cycle is that the magnitude may not be as much, right? So you know, we, you know, we don't believe in a hard landing. We think that there'll be a soft landing and growth, you know, will remain relatively, you know, strong, you know, still trending lower into, into 2024. But the difference in today's sort of environment, when we think about how much yields have gone down, you know, post pause, is that we have a very large deficit. And because the U.S. has a large deficit, it's contending with a lot of supply coming into the market. And we still have, have, have you know, variables such as quantitative tightening. So the trend will, be, will remain lower, but the magnitude this time around might be slightly different. 
Okay, I think, uh, you know, I think that's an important point that you raised there. Uh, you know, while, while there's a lot of forces conspiring maybe to bring rates down, we're starting to wonder, you're starting to wonder, and you're potentially seeing the impact of these the, this round of very high, uh, you know, public deficits and how, how that might Im impact issuance and then ultimately bond yields. So it's a lot of forces that are going to make, uh, you know, navigating both the company return picture and the rates picture interesting uh, this fall. So thank you. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.